Okay, good morning. I'm going to scoot this a little closer because my voice is a little quiet. Um, Do you have your Pilgrim's Playlist books with you? If you would, would you open them to Psalm 133? That's where we're... It's on the screen. Well, then let's read it together. Can we read it together? I'm going to read it off the screen. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard, on the beard of Enon, running down over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord ordained his blessings, life forevermore. It's always wonderful to read the word. You know, it's living and active, and I'm reading it this morning. and think, oh, I want to preach another sermon on this. <laughs> it is good, but I won't do that. You know, the longer I have walked with the Lord, the more and more this mystery of the Trinity captivates me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, living in joyful, perfect union together. Because union is at the very heart of God. It is his joy. It is his life. And so union, unity with one another is what he wants to give us because it gives him so much joy. And this is our ultimate calling as Christians, right, is to be drawn right into that love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You know, in the reading that we read before in John 17, it says something astounding. Jesus is telling his disciples, even as I have loved you, I want you to love one another. That's the degree of love he wants us to have for one another. That he wants us to love one another as much as he loves us. And then there's something more astounding that he says. He says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. So as much as the Father loves the Son, that's the quality of the love, the quantity of love Jesus has for us. And that's the kind of love he wants us to share for one another. That's astounding. That's an astounding level of love, right? So I find it amazing that the very nature of God, at the very heart of God, is this relationship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God has made us so that we can participate to some degree, to get some sort of handle on what that kind of love looks like. I'm the mother of five children. And a couple of weeks ago, my eldest son, Noah, who will turn 30 tomorrow, came home for an an unexpected visit. He and his wife and my grandchildren, or at least four of my five grandchildren, live in Turkey, serving the fledgling church there. Now, Noah being the firstborn of my children set the tone for all the other kids in the family. And as Micah can attest, that tone is silly and raucous. And so when Noah came home, all the other children flocked to the house and there was uproarious laughter in the house. And as a mother, that made my heart happy. It was like balm to my soul. By contrast, um, there was a a time about a year ago when two of my beloved children found themselves in significant conflict. There was hurt and there was pain and there were tears. And I found that that tore my heart apart as a mother, like nothing 
Gales had ever done. So not all of us have been parents, but we've all been children, right? And so I think that we have some sort of grasp on how God um, is blessed when we live together in unity. And I think that all of us have had some experience living on earth. Like when, when we feel loved, is that last time? When we feel loved um, and when we are enjoying one another, the veil between heaven and earth seems a little bit thinner, right? And our hearts expand and we get a little foretaste. So the first psalm, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity, we have a little understanding about that. But what is this part about Aaron's beard, right? So this psalm is three verses long, and the middle verse is all about Aaron's beard. And so because it comes in the middle, the way Hebrew poetry is structured, you could say, like, this is the central image. But what is it? What does it mean? It seems kind of weird. And until recently, I confess, um, it, it just seemed like a kind of quaint historical reference. And I would just gloss over it. But the problem with that interpretation is this, that when this psalm was written, Aaron was already, like, he had been dead for hundreds of years. And so I'm thinking that the people who heard this psalm also think, that's really weird. Why is Aaron's beard in here? You know, what's the deal with Aaron's beard? They had never seen Aaron's beard. Even so, we believe that scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So the psalmist is writing this, and he's in the flow, and he's writing about Aaron's beard. And I'm thinking, even the psalmist is saying, what's Aaron's beard doing in here? You know, that's what I imagine. So I believe Aaron's beard in here is in this psalm because it's important to God. And if we can grasp why God thinks Aaron's beard is important, then the psalm will stick with us, right? We'll remember it. And it will open the eyes of our heart, and we will understand something about the way God's heart works. So my belief is that this little verse is a reference to Aaron's vesting, the day that Aaron was made the high priest who would serve in the tabernacle before the Lord. And this day was hugely important in God's eyes. And why would this be? And that's because Aaron was a type. He was a prefigure of Jesus, God's own son, who would come as the great high priest for the whole world and offer his own life. And so when Aaron was vested, God was right there looking down like he did on Jesus' baptism. He was right there because this was a big day. Now, I'd never thought about this until March 13th. I opened my Bible and I was doing my Bible study as I do every day. And the reading happened to come from Exodus that day. And I really love Exodus. I love the pillar of fire. I love the water from the rock. I love the drama. But I confess that the the details of tabernacle worship are a little dry, and I usually just gloss over them. And that was my reading for the day. So I was just kind of plowing through it. My mind was somewhere else. But then the Holy Spirit interrupted me and said, "I, I really want to show you something about this. So all of a sudden, these boring words came to life in my head, and I could see them. Like, it's a picture in my head. And so I want to do that experiment with you today. You may not have done this since kindergarten. (laughs) I want you to all close your eyes. Close your eyes, and I'm going to read to you, and I want you to try to picture what's going on. So this is a big day in Israel, and everybody's in attendance, okay? It's a big deal. And this is what God says to Moses. 
Now this is what you shall do to the sons of Aaron, to consecrate them, to minister as priests to me. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish and unleavened bread. You shall put the wafers in one basket and present them in the basket along with the bull and the two rams. Now, now really try to picture this. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the doorway of the tent of meeting, and you will wash them with water. You shall take the garments and put on Aaron the tunic and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And you shall set the turban on his head and put the holy crown on his turban. Then you shall take the anointing oil and you will pour it on his head and anoint him. So you shall ordain Aaron and his sons. You can open your eyes now. Now, everything about the vesting of Aaron points to Jesus, our great high priest. Aaron is washed with water as Jesus was baptized. He is dressed with white linen, symbolizing the perfection and the perfect righteousness of the Lord. He is crowned like Jesus will be crowned, king of the nations. And he bears on his breastplate the precious stones representing the tribes of Israel. And God says that our names are written on his heart. On the breastplate rest the Urim and the Thummim, which the high priest used to discern the judgments of God. And we know that Jesus will come again to judge the world in perfect justice. So my mind was exploding with all these prophetic signs that day when my attention was drawn to Aaron's beard again. And I could see Moses pouring the oil over his brother's head and consecrating him for a service which had never before been done on this earth. Never before. I could feel the weight of the oil and the smell and its fragrance which rose to heaven. And I knew how close the Trinity was present that day. Because, you know, this was God's idea. This wasn't Israel's idea. It's like, oh, we think we need a high priest. Let's give him all these fancy clothes. That wasn't their idea. This was, it was God's idea. Now, Aaron was anointed as the high priest, but he was anointed in the company of his sons. And this is also prophetic because Jesus shares his priesthood with us. Isn't that crazy? And uh, he intends, one of the, the, the little lines from the reading from John 17, he wants us to be with him where he is and see him in his glory. He wants to share with us his throne. That's what Revelation says. It's crazy. So we are in union with him, and in that place we come into union with with one another. So Jesus was the priest who fulfilled the law. And Jesus in turn, and, and that's, I'm sorry, when God gave this form of worship to Israel. He says, I'm making you wiser than all of the other nations. I'm setting you as an example that through the nations, people will come to know the one true God, the God of Israel. But Jesus in John 17, um, the passage that we just read said that by this, the world will know that I have come from the Father and that you love one another. So, Is that not an incredible thought? That when we love one another, we are making Jesus known to the world. And that unity is like 
oil flowing down on the head of our high priest, Jesus. And it also gives us joy. How good and how pleasant it is because we are made in the image of God. We are made for community. So it amazes me that we have the ability to bless God. Isn't that incredible? That by loving one another, we can like pour oil on his head and make him glad. But it's also amazing that by blessing him, our deepest desires are fulfilled. And that is good. All right. That's all. Thank you, Amy.